You are listening to Affirm, the podcast for women of color who affirm their worth, value mental health, and seek wholeness. I'm your host, Davia Roberts, and today's affirmation is, Be you, love you, always, always. Words by Alex L. Today's affirmation was chosen by Patreon supporter, Alicia Rio. You are listening to episode 41, Dissociation not feeling at home in my body. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Affirm. Again, my name is Davia Roberts and I am your host. Today we are discussing trauma and a specific trauma symptom called dissociation. I chose this topic because April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month and dissociation is a common trauma symptom experienced by survivors of sexual assault. As a survivor, it is common to feel out of alignment with your body, but it is very possible to find your way back. And that's the purpose of this episode. However, I rarely hear this topic thoroughly discussed by people unless they've had the privilege of attending therapy. And yes, I said privilege because the therapy is very much a privilege and not readily accessible or affordable to a lot of people. Let's also recognize that many survivors don't even feel safe enough to disclose that a sexual assault happened, let alone have the courage or wherewithal to seek resources for healing, which results in a lot of survivors not having language for what they're experiencing. Awareness and the ability to name your experience can often be the key to freeing yourself from shame. That's why I think it's important for us to have this conversation and normalize the prevalence of dissociation because nearly everyone dissociates at some point in their life, but only 2% actually qualify for the actual disorder. And when I say qualify, I'm referring to the level of prevalence and severity in which dissociation occurs in someone's life. So think about anxiety. We all experience anxiety from time to time, but not all of us have an anxiety disorder. So dissociation is similar to that. I think it's important to recognize that there's a spectrum, for lack of a better word. However, comma, I want to make sure that everyone is clear that when I speak of dissociation today, I am not here to teach you about dissociative identity disorder, which most people think of as multiple personalities. Just so you know, we no longer call it multiple personality disorder or split personality disorder. It's called dissociative identity disorder. See, you learned something already, but that is not why we're here today. (laughs) Instead, we're going to explore dissociation depersonalization and derealization, focusing primarily on dissociation and depersonalization. I do encourage you to take notes or revisit this episode because it may feel like a lot to process um, in the moment. One very important disclaimer though, please only use this information as a tool to educate yourself, not to diagnose yourself. If you think you experience dissociation, please contact a mental health professional. Agreed? Cool. (laughs) Okay. When someone experiences a traumatic experience like sexual assault, whether as a child, adolescent, or an adult, the body is automatically wired for three responses. Fight, flight, or freeze. To break it down a little further, either you fight and try to overpower whatever or whoever is putting you in danger, or you run and try to get away from the danger, or you freeze and kind of play dead. 
it's important for me to emphasize that you don't actively choose your body's response. It simply reacts. That's why people's comments like, if that happened to me, I'd kick their ass or I'd do X, Y, Z is full of crap. You don't actively choose how your brain and body respond to a traumatic event. In an act to protect you from danger, your body will choose for you. And one of those responses can be freeze. Um, Dissociation is a form of freezing where you feel detached from your body or your mental processes. Um, and it can manifest as derealization and depersonalization. And dissociation can happen with just about any trauma. It is not exclusive to sexual assault. And I just want to let that be known. So just to break it down. So dissociation is essentially like that disconnect. Derealization is where a person feels detached from people and things around them, almost as if they're in a dreamlike state state, and things may not feel real to them. The world may feel really distorted. However, like I mentioned earlier, we're mostly going to focus on depersonalization. Depersonalization is where you may actually feel like an observer of your own life. Many survivors will describe it as if being detached from their body, as if they were hovering and overlooking the trauma as it happened. Some people describe it as feeling numb, surreal, or like a robot where they don't have any control over what they do or say in that moment. And it's not uncommon for someone experiencing depersonalization to disconnect from memories and incidents and not be able to recall everything clearly. So what does that look like? Because I could give you this definition all day, but a few examples may help you better understand. So for those of you that are newer to the podcast, I used to be a therapist for survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault. So needless to say, several clients experienced dissociation. Um, in some cases, a client may say they need to discuss the trauma, almost like they were forcing themselves to face it and push through to get to the healing. And just so you know, healing is not formulaic. Talking about trauma does not guarantee healing. In fact, sometimes it can be traumatizing if you're not ready to experience everything that comes along with revisiting those tra- traumatic moments. But what would commonly happen in those moments if they didn't want to um, take heed, you know, to some of my concerns, like I just shared with you, is that a client may begin to retell their trauma and her voice may begin to slow down and trail off. I can remember instances where a specific person would completely stop speaking and it seemed as if they were somewhere else, almost that they almost as if they were daydreaming about something else. I would gently say their name and remind them that we were in session. And I may say something like, I just want to check in and see where you're at, what's coming up for you. Usually it would take a few moments for the client to reorient themselves to where they were and what was going on. Because in those moments, they were no longer fully present. Yes, they were physically there, but mentally and emotionally, they weren't. And I have to be very honest with you. The first time that happened in a session, it really threw me for a loop. Because number one, dissociation was not thoroughly discussed in my graduate program, nor did my clinical supervisor at the time provide concrete examples of how it could manifest in clients. Um, The examples she provided were almost movie-like and really sensationalized. Um, So very dramatic. So when I first witnessed it as a clinician, I look back and think about how ill-prepared I was. I mean, it went fine. Um, 
but it was a very jarring experience for me. So when I went to my direct supervisor at my job who knew trauma backwards and forwards and shared what happened, what shared what was happening, she really helped normalize the experience and explains explain other ways that dissociation may appear for people. We discussed the pro- approaches about how to ground the client, develop a treatment plan, but it took time to figure out the right supports for that person. Um, since we were both learning her triggers and frequency of dissociative moments. And I think this information is really important for everyone to have, especially for survivors. So you know the language about what's going on and you just remember, okay, I'm not bugging. This is a real thing that happens. Me feeling like I had an out-of-body experience doesn't make me crazy. No, it doesn't. This is something that commonly happens to people that have a traumatic experience. But also for clinicians, so you're not missing the subtle signs of dissociation. Because when you don't have experience with trauma or you're new to the field, it's easy to mischaracterize or misdiagnose dissociation and depersonalization. And for some folks, they don't even know that there's dissociation, depersonalization, derealization. Everything just gets lumped together as dissociation. But there are nuances, there are differences. But once again, this is just to provide some basic foundational information about dissociation and depersonalization. I still recommend you seek professional support from a mental health professional with experience with trauma. The common question that most people will ask when they realize they're dealing with dissociation is, well, will talk therapy actually work for me if I'm experiencing this? Because how can I actually benefit from therapy if I can't actually be in the moment when I feel triggered? Well, the answer to that is it depends. It really depends on the severity of dissociation happening in your life and your clinician's ability to recognize it. However, I can speak from professional experience that it is possible to still experience benefits from talk therapy, even in the midst of dissociation. Your sessions may just look a little bit different. Your therapist may incorporate certain techniques to ground you in the moment and slowly help you develop the ability to be conscious of when you're about to dissociate. And that can take a significant amount of time. I commonly see therapists use mindfulness to help clients ground in their body. However, comma, it is important to know (laughs) that you're doing this work with a trauma-informed professional because I know... I know how folks love to DIY some therapy and healing and just someone has already listened to the podcast thinking, you know, I can just go to a yoga class. I dissociate, but she said mindfulness works. So I can just go to a yoga class and that's going to help me. Um, But you're not realizing that being in a dark room and closing your eyes may actually trigger the hell out of you. So that's why I repeatedly emphasize the need to work with a professional who truly knows trauma because mindfulness practices are amazing, but they can be very traumatic if certain considerations are made. Someone else may be able to meditate in a dark room for hours and be fine, but if you don't know what your limits are, I wouldn't risk going to a general class where people um, are unaware of your background and the needs that may arise, may or may not. It's just better to be safe than sorry, in my mind. Another option is the use of EMDR. EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization Reprocessing. 
is a mouthful. <laughs> um, it's a therapeutic, a therapeutic tool that has been found to work wonders in trauma. Um, I was actually trained in EMDR, um, a few years ago and I've seen clients do like a 180. If I were to explain like the full EMDR process, it would sound like magical voodoo. <laughs> but regardless, clients would easily see a decrease in their trauma symptoms in a matter of like two to three sessions. Um, like it was that powerful. It really does work. Obviously every case and every person is different, but I do think it's worth exploring if you're interested in seeking psychotherapy and you deal with, um, you have a trauma history. If you do choose EMDR because you have a trauma history, because you experience dissociation, I want to let you know that the severity of your dissociation will impact um, what your EMDR process looks like. It doesn't mean it's impossible, but your clinician may... Um, use different techniques before they go fully into the EMDR process. But I highly encourage you to do your research um, because it really works, y'all. Like I said, every case and every person is different, but I do think it's worth exploring if you're really interested in it. EMDR, eye movement, desensitization, reprocessing, Google it, ask the questions <laughs> um, because it's a phenomenal um, trauma tool. I mean, for, for everyone, essentially, but especially for trauma. But all in all, dissociation doesn't have to be this dark cloud hovering over your life. More importantly, you're not the only one dealing with it. It's actually quite common. So if you're experiencing dissociation, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Dissociation is your body's way of coping with trauma. It wants to protect you. And over time, you can learn how to get back in your body, whether that's through mindfulness practices, that's through talk therapy, what, whatever. You can get to a place where you can be present from moment to moment. In other words, you can find your way back to you. That's all for today's episode. But if you don't want things to end just yet, you can always keep the conversation going by becoming a patron of Redefine Enough. Go to patreon.com forward slash redefine enough and gain access to full transcripts, journals, reflection guides, and a firm afterthoughts. It's the perfect way to dive deeper into the content. So if you'd like to support, go to patreon.com forward slash redefine enough. And if you don't have the finances, that's absolutely okay. You can always show your support in other loving ways. But as always, take care of yourselves and you will hear from me in two weeks. Peace and light.